and streaming on the web since 1996. This is Cinematic Sound. Welcome to Cinematic Sound Radio. Today's show is a conversation with one of film music's emerging talents. Born in Saudi Arabia and raised in Jordan, Gaia Rashida is one amongst the few female composers of Arab heritage working in her field. Now based in Los Angeles, Rashida has worked and performed throughout the Middle East and Europe, playing in excess of 150 concerts over the years. After following a career as a concert pianist until 2008, Gaia turned to composing. In 2014, Rashida moved to the United States. Upon arriving, her first task was to compose the music for the short film Pen of Mirror, starring Eric Roberts. Her melodic, dissonant, and layered score gained critical praise. Currently, she's composing original scores for a variety of projects, including plays, feature films, video games, short films, and TV spots. In 2017, Rashidat was the winner of the BMI Peter Carpenter Fellowship, a competitive residency for aspiring film, TV, and video game composers. Rashidat's piece, Fly and Flow, was chosen as the winning score by a distinguished judging panel that included such talents as Christopher Leonard, Timothy Wynn, Ben Dechter, Casey Kolb, Ed Rogers, and John Kafer. In August of 2018, Jason Drury talked to Gaia Rashidat on Skype from her home in Los Angeles for Cinematic Sound Radio about her life, the events that have put her on the path to success, her career to date, and her future ambitions. And during the show, you'll also hear some of Rashidat's wonderful music. And now, here's Jason Drury. Gaia Rashidat, when did your interest in music start? I really like this question because it always brings me back to memories and especially things that my mom told me and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So when I was four years old, it was my birthday. And then my aunt's husband got me this little keyboard. It was like cake shaped and it was the first keyboard I ever got. I was so excited about it. And then I started playing melodies right away by ear. And my mom realized that I have this gift or this talent of playing by ear. And I was so passionate about this. Then I upgraded into a bigger keyboard that doesn't look like a cake. <laughs> and then I started playing more. And my mom would like sit next to me and sing some songs. And I would play them by ear. Then I developed my left hand technique. And when I was eight, this is when I actually had my first real piano, which was acoustic upright. And I actually went into the store and I picked it myself. The bus would be coming in the morning at 7 a.m. or something. And I would have the backpack on my back. And I would still be playing up until like the very last minute when the bus driver starts like beeping and honking and I have to go. So it started like really early at the age of four and it just like developed through the years. You began your musical career as a concert pianist. How did that come about? It was like I just felt that that was at the moment my calling and that was what I really enjoyed. I, I started like classical piano training at the age of 12. I had an incredible teacher 
and he was very supportive and we're even like still in touch with, with each other right now and I would just play at concerts and then for college I decided that I want to go for piano performance and I got three degrees in piano performance and up until 2008 I was just playing in concerts like in Jordan around the world and I continued to play but it wasn't like more of the classical content rather than things that really started appealing to me and then afterwards my own compositions. Did you receive any opposition in Jordan about you being a woman becoming a musician? Um, it wasn't an opposition of being a woman but rather being a musician in itself. I was always an A student and then the distant relatives had high expectations for me, especially culturally. Uh, we come from a culture where like people like doctors and engineers are doing better in society, even prestigious way than let's say musicians or artists. So I had that kind of like questions. Are you sure you want to go into music? Like you have all these grades. Do you really want to go there? So I, I kind of had that kind of stereotype also that, you know, a musician is doing nothing, just like, you know, a starving artist or something like that. So I, I kind of had that stereotype, but not really opposition. However, on one occasion, you were attacked on stage. Of course, yeah, yeah. But it was it was for political reason. The the whole attack thing on the on stage uh, after my concert, it was in 2013. And uh, I've always been very outspoken and uh, just talk about my political views or I talk about human rights or activism. I was really disappointed in our legal system and having that rule in the Constitution itself where the rapist had the rights to marry their victim, whether or not she likes it. And I've always been, of course, opposing this on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere. And part of my political views were perceived as like they were not desired or they were not like welcomed in Jordan. And after my concert, we were attacked uh, by the security of the governmental theater that we were holding the concert at. And of course, like they started literally with two security guards running towards the stage. They broke our instruments. One of the kids, he was a fan in the audience and he was really injured. So that was terrifying. Of course, like we had a lot of publicity afterwards and everyone was talking about that for days. And it was a trending topic um, on Twitter because everyone was supporting us and everyone was standing by us except for government, of course. So that was really terrifying flying and we still have some issues in Jordan in that regard where concerts can easily be cancelled for different reasons like for example one of the musicians has different sexual preferences or something like that so art I would say while it's really going forward in Jordan but it's still facing a lot of opposition in so many ways especially in freedom of speech actually our after party was at the police station <laughs> So we still like joke about that because we went to the police station and we filed a report and the whole thing just like developed into a case at the court. But we did not just want to go home and, you know, forget about that. We actually went to the police station and we filed the report. So it's crazy. And I'm telling you, like right now, we kind of like joke about it. Of course, it still hurts a lot. But I guess that right now we're at the age where, especially government, they know the importance of arts and social media, of course. So they can 
can't really just like mute someone. They can't just tell them to not talk about certain things. So maybe they found this was, you know, the best situation. Were you well known in Jordan at the time of the attack? That was the concert that I held was the first concert I had for my own compositions. So I was known as a pianist, but I was more known later as a composer. And I had very like good following, I would say. And I had a niche of myself and I am lucky that it actually grew because people saw through me and they saw like my intentions and what I stand for. And they saw the importance of art and how a musician and artist, they don't only just make music and try to make people feel better about themselves or entertain, but they also can stand for certain rights and causes. And I felt it like my fan base actually grew after that incident.
That was the composition Sounds of Violence, composed by my guest today, Gia Rasidat, and was dedicated to the disappointments of herself and her musician friends after being attacked in their first concert in Jordan. Now, Gia, when did you start moving from performing music to writing compositions? Composition for me, I feel like it was just like a moment in my life where I felt that I am done with playing the classical pieces and I want to play pieces of my own, but it just came around an unfortunate time. I lost like the first boyfriend that I ever had. I lost him to cancer and I, for 10 days, like I couldn't express myself or anything. And then I started just like making songs and writing songs. And he was always a supportive of me. He would attend every single concert that I had on stage, whether or not I knew about it. And I started writing songs for that, for about grief and all that kind of stuff. So then the Royal Film Commission in Jordan was opening up and they were having more filmmakers and writing stories. And I got introduced to a couple of filmmakers and things just happened where I scored my first short, which was a silent film. And it was really good. (laughs) It was amazing. Such a good experience. These filmmakers knew me as a pianist and uh, one of them recommended me to his friend and he was like, why don't you just go ahead and try it? So I did try and the short was a five minute drama, a silent short about a mother that thinks she has a baby but she does not and it was kind of like traumatizing but at the same time I just viewed it from another perspective and I had this complete liberation and creativity to just make the music because there's no dialogue there's barely even any sound design or sound effects and we did the score in two days and I didn't even have any studio we just like recorded it at some studio in Jordan. How did you go about scoring your first assignment? Did you have any tuition in scoring? I mean, being a classically trained pianist, I already knew. I learned about composition and counterpoint and theory. I don't feel like I actually practiced any knowledge or any education that I received. I just went with my heart was feeling at that moment. It wasn't like a strategy that I was building or something. It was very improvisational. That was my first assignment. As my assignments and the the projects that I was working on grew, I started getting more education like online and going online courses. Of course, watching more movies and listening to more soundtracks also builds your knowledge and just goes in the subconscious of your mind. And it becomes like a built-in skill with you. So I didn't get any formal education in terms of film scoring, but I definitely worked on so many courses in self-development in that area. Now, what made you decide to move to Los Angeles? Well, that too was a very, like, it was a coincidence. And I didn't come to LA. In the beginning, I was in Virginia, which was really amazing. And I love the nature. I would meditate there. And then I got my first project in the U.S., which is Pen of Mirrors, starring Eric Roberts. And I worked on that there in a studio where it was surrounded by nature. The studio is called Sweet Spot. And we had like a forest in the backyard and it was very inspiring. So everything was just like, I feel there was like a path and I just walked through it.
was a suite of music from the 2014 short film Pen of Mirrors, directed by Bader Alamud and starring Eric Roberts, with music composed by my guest today, Gia Rasidat. And Gia, I watched the film recently, and the score you composed, as we've just heard, is absolutely wonderful. And it's really good picture, and the director, Bader, it was our first collaboration. And it was just amazing. He gave me, like, he trusted me with his baby. And I felt that, you know, I'm not going to let that down. So I literally took my pen and paper to a lake that I was walking to every day. And I would write the score there, then go to the studio. So it was a very reviving experience. Now, how did you get to score Pen of Mirrors? Um, as I mentioned, it was uh, through Twitter. So Butter, the uh, the director of Pen of Mirrors, reached out to me on uh, Twitter. And then we had a talk together on phone. We discussed like his script. He didn't have any picture then. So I literally worked on the script. And then we took it from there. Now, generally speaking, how do you decide which projects you want to work on? There are so many elements and factors and me deciding to go for a project, first thing is whether or not it speaks to me. Now, I know that, you know, as a filmmaker, you're very passionate about your story, but sometimes it doesn't resonate with you, or sometimes it, you feel that it's not something that you can deliver. And, of course, I don't want to be on a project where I'm not delivering the director's or the producer's vision, and we're not working together as a team. So if the story resonates with me, if the picture is good, if I feel like I'm going to add value to this story, then I definitely take it on. Of course, when we have a big budget where we can like score at a scoring stage and record live, that also like adds to my excitement about picking a project. Working with certain directors that I've worked with for maybe seven or eight years now And I feel that I already know them and we know each other. We know the style and how to work together. So that also is a huge element in me picking a project. And now a few years down the line from your first work, is there now a set process that you have now required when you go about your scoring? Um, If I went back in time, I would definitely be more strategic in terms of, let's say, spotting, which is which scenes to score and which scenes to just like leave silent. I would leave more silence in certain areas. I know more right now about the subliminal messages and how to control these through music or through not music. So I would say a major skill that I would add if I go back in time is knowing when to place music and when to not. Now, you've worked on a number of documentaries in the past few years. Now, do you prefer to score documentaries where the subject matter has a particular interest to you? With documentaries, I would say no, because documentaries are more knowledge and education-based. So the message that you're getting out there is not to influence someone most of the time, think in a certain way or feel a certain way, but rather just like showcase and draw the attention to a certain thing happening or just an idea or a theory sometimes. So with documentaries, it's a bit different. Like I don't even mind scoring, let's say, a documentary about a politician that I'm completely opposing. Of course, the music might be like a bit biased in my terms, but I'm I'm okay with that. I haven't got any opportunity yet where I was offered a documentary that I didn't 
say yes to, honestly. So for now, I would say yes. I would take any documentary, but you never know in the future, maybe something would happen and occur and I would go like, no, I'm not scoring that, if it makes any sense. Do you have a different mindset when scoring documentaries compared to a short film or feature? I definitely do have a different mindset. With documentaries, it's more of a background music, especially that documentaries should be most of the times unbiased. And as I said, like we do as film composers, we do direct emotions and we do direct certain feelings toward a direction or a certain path. But at the same time with documentaries, you have to be just in the middle of it. Like you don't go to extreme unless the director tells you to. I would say there's less music most of the times with documentaries, especially when there's more dialogue. Like you just have this subliminal, very subtle music in the background. So it's different. was a piece called Wuhani from the documentary Street Vendors from 2011, composed by my guest today, Gia Rasidat. My name is Jason Drury.
Now, Gia, tell us about your work on the 2014 short documentary, Hotel Zatari. So, Zatari is a refugee camp in Jordan. And when the documentary was made, it was based on the struggles that the refugees go through in the camp, but more in a dramatic way that just tells the stories of these people. And it's very humanistic. Like, I'm getting goosebumps right now just talking about it and remembering the picture. When the directors called me up for it, we basically talked about the four stories of the documentary. I haven't seen any picture yet or anything. They told me about the girl. They told me about the woman, the boy, the man, and where they're coming from. And then we started developing some themes. This documentary won so many awards, and I'm really proud that I was on board with it. It's a very touching story, and I do recommend everyone watches it. Like just for, even if it's for like just watching, I wouldn't say entertainment because it would diminish the cause of the documentary, but just watch it and get more interactive with these stories and learn more about them. Right. Now, moving away from documentaries, you have recently started to score video games. How did that come about? Uh, With video games, I started with an iPad game and it was just like a post on Craigslist. And it was an education game for kids learning the alphabets, which is something that I also enjoyed because I used to be like a kindergarten teacher at some point of time in my life. So I felt like, oh, that's that's a nice project. And it, it's cool. It plays with the emotions and I can unleash my child within. So that was really fun. And then I got more into the video games after having been introduced to a major sound designer. I can't reveal the names right now. Now, but there are some promising things for 2019. <laughs> How do you go about scoring video games? The thing is with video games, like they're not only more interactive, but they have all elements of a good story. Like you start with a story and then you go into action. So you can play all these genres of music, especially if you have, let's say, an ethnic element to it, which is one of my forties being a Middle Eastern. So you can have so many genres in one game And it's so exciting. And because of all these decisions that the gamer takes, so you can also like, for example, you can make a cue for the soldier getting into a room or a soldier running towards the ocean, let's say. So all these decisions that the gamer makes, you're part of it. And it's so enjoyable and thrilling and it's becoming the future right now.
That was music from the video game Assault on the Battlefield, composed by my guest today, Gia Rassidat. Now, Gia, tell us about Flying Flow. It's won you the Pete Carpenter Fellowship at the 2017 BMI Foundation. So Fly and Flow was a cue from a large suite that I composed for orchestra. It was for the royal family of a Middle Eastern country in 2016. It was a theatrical show. Um, I'm very passionate about this cue specifically. It talks about a small boy that gets on a boat and decides that he wants to discover the entire world rather than just stay where he is. When I won the BMI uh, Pete Carpenter Fellowship, I was really shocked. I wasn't expecting it, honestly. You know how you just like do something and then release it to the universe and see whether or not it works. And it was such a life-changing experience for me because it was the first award that I received in the U.S. And I got so much recognition for it. And, you know, BMI doesn't get better than that. I did the mentorship with Christopher Leonard and Timothy Wynn. And they're amazing composers inside out. Like, I, I got to see the real characters and the real humans underneath all that great music that they produce, I got to see how they make the music, meet their team and see their studios. Christopher is an amazing person. He has so many causes that he works for. He is an amazing person with his team, of course, with the music, excellent work ethic. I can talk for hours about Chris. He's just an incredible person. How did you find out that you won? For BMI, you actually submit your work, but I completely forgot about it. <laughs> I, I haven't shared this story before, but when I got the call and I didn't answer it, I didn't know the number, so they left me a voicemail message saying that I won. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? And then I went and Googled it and I was like, oh my God, I actually submitted to this. <laughs> and I realized that I won and it was just like it was the highlight of my entire month back then. I remember it was August. It was very hot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was very just fascinating.
That was Flying Flow, composed by Gia Vassidat, which won the Pete Combater Fellowship at the 2017 BMI Foundation. Film music is a very male-dominated industry. Have you encountered any difficulties working in film composing? When I came first to LA, I was I was having this perception that if I made it in Middle East, where it's male-dominated, I can easily make it in LA. But I was shocked because it was a shark tank and women are really, like, I wouldn't say respected, but just like most men really look down on them in certain ways, in certain times. And not all men, of course, most of the men or a percentage of them. So I faced a lot of issues in that regards. I got fired once from a feature because the investor was thinking that he can get away with certain things and he did not. And of course, I got fired from that feature and didn't work on it. I had a couple of issues like that, even with musicians. They didn't take me seriously, especially that I'm 5'1 and I look like I'm much younger than I am. So I had these issues, but it just made me stronger and I'm developing like thick skin so that I can face these obstacles in the future even furthermore. And there are so many organizations right now that are coming up, like the AWFC, the Alliance of Women Film Composers, and they're doing a massive and great job in just like standing up for women and getting the word out there and having more women composers like join and become of these big teams on films and video games. Which is excellent because... I feel that a female composer can score a film just as well as a male composer. There's a difference. Of course they can. And, you know, you have, like, Sarah Schachner for video games like Assassin's Creed and Call of Duty. So it's growing, and I'm so proud of, like, just witnessing this era. It's life-changing being part of it, just like how we, we started having cell phones or And it's so backwards because we're in 2018 and we're still discussing female versus male composers. But that's reality right now.
That was the cue behind time from the film Mother, Lover, Symphony, Daughter, composed by my guest today, Gia Rasidat. My name is Jason Drury. Now, Gia, which composers have influenced your music? So it started with James Horner. I mean, everyone basically right now knows my story with James Horner. The first movie I ever attended in theaters was Titanic. And while everyone was sobbing about Jack dying, spoiler alert, (laughs) and all that, I was just crying because the music was very beautiful. And I kept nagging on my mom to get me the soundtrack. I was only 12 back then. And I was like, "I, I just need it so bad. And I want the soundtrack. And then she got it for me for Eid, which is like the Christmas celebration in Jordan, but for the Islamic religion. And it was the best gift I ever had. And I would listen to the music on my Walkman for the entire day and sing to the songs with my crappy voice. Uh, So James Horner, like, touched my life and my music in so many ways. I still feel him around me. So it started with James Horner, as I said. And, of course, Hans Zimmer, he's like a god of music. Jerry Goldsmith, John Williams... Every composer has a very unique imprint and voice. And I just listen to them for inspiration, for pleasure, to get motivated. So these are like the, off the top of my head. Which are your favorite James Horner scores? Of course, Braveheart, like Braveheart, A Beautiful Mind. I listen to A Beautiful Mind whenever I want to like meditate or feel like I'm soaring. Avatar, like the cue of Jake's first flight, I just get the chills whenever I listen to it, and I feel like I like a one one. Troy, it's I feel like every score he has done is just like a masterpiece by itself. He's irreplaceable, and I feel like he has such a unique voice and unique energy that you can't even explain it. He touches, I feel like every heart, and he has left such a legacy that no one can replace or get up to. Right, now back to your own work. Do you prefer acoustic or electronic? I mean, it depends really on the movie or the project that I'm scoring. Sometimes we do use synthesizers and electronic sounds and all that. Of course, my preference is always orchestra. Again, I'm classically trained, so I love the orchestra. I love working with musicians because composers usually, we just like stay in a dark room for like 14 hours and we don't get to see people much. So once we get that opportunity of working with musicians, it's a glorious moment. So I would say I prefer orchestral most of the times. When you work with an orchestra, do you conduct? I do conduct, but not when I'm recording. When I'm recording at the studio, I prefer being in the booth where I'm listening like more intensively and I'm not like multitasking and doing several things at the same time. But I do conduct orchestras. I wrote a couple of pieces uh, last year and I conducted two orchestras in LA. So I I love conducting. (laughs) And musicians usually like they're very passionate. And when they play your music, you just feel like you're the king of the world, literally, (laughs) or the queen of the world.
And that was a piece titled In Mind, Body and Spirit, composed by my guest today, Gia Rassidet. My name is Jason Drury. Now, Gia, you recently turned to producing and acting. Can you tell us how that came about? Oh, boy. So the acting, it was not intentional at all. A producer that I work with, she was filming in L.A. and she was like, wait, we wrote a scene for you. I'm like, seriously, I've never acted before. And I know that I am a very horrible actress. I keep laughing, but it was an amazing experience because when I was on set, I couldn't control myself. And the, the actor in front of me was so funny. I would just like start laughing. And then the producer and the director, she yelled at me in front of everyone. I was like, oh, my God, it's getting real. <laughs> so I contained myself and then I did the acting job. So that's the part of the acting that I know I would never do it again. But it was an, a very interesting experience. With producing, I feel like I want to be more involved in the storytelling part. And because I do have good connections and I love building bridges, especially between cultures. So that was my forte. And I'm really enjoying it. And the stories that I'm working with are very touching and emotional. So it's a very nice branch into my career right now. One of your projects is a documentary series called Boys Town. The Boys Town, it was, I was co-producing with a friend of mine, and it was a very controversial thing to do because, especially in my culture, we don't really talk about these things. But it was like a bold move, and I, I'm very proud of it, and I like it. Another one of your producing projects is Village by the Sea. Yeah, it's a drama feature about what the recovery systems and about drug abuse, sexual abuse. It, it like tackles so many issues and how you can get out of them. Our characters are very strong. They're female, like driven. And that's what we're really highlighting, which is empowerment mainly. We already have a distribution deal and it's going to be, for the first at least two years, it's going to be in theaters all over the world. But we're focused mainly on the U.S. right now. And hopefully we would like expand it to Netflix and Amazon. We're not thinking about it yet, but eventually it's definitely going to be there. Right now we're supposed to be shooting sometime in October in Florida. So I'm very excited about that.
That was a piece entitled This Is Home, composed by my guest today, Gia Rassidet. I'm Jason Drury. Now, away from scoring gear, what type of music do you like listening to? It depends on the mood and the time of the day. So I have playlists. For example, when I'm reading, I'm listening to piano music. I love Ludovico Inaudi so much. When I'm, for example, working or cleaning up or taking a shower or something like that, I play pop and, you know, just like the, the hits, like The Shape of You, for example, song, which I really, really love. Uh, Rihanna, Sia, you know, all these amazing artists. So it depends on the mood. And sometimes I just enjoy silence and listening to the fountain in the front yard. Right. Going back to film music, what do you think of the state of film music today? Industry-wise, it's definitely very competitive. And I don't feel much as a community... I would love to see it. Like, I would love to see more composers getting together and working together. I know it's not easy, but it's definitely developing. It's progressing. Sometimes I feel that the the score is pretty much influenced and recycled by older scores. But I also, like, blame the rush of getting the deadlines and, of course, the director's vision and the temp scores and all that that is happening right now. But it's very exciting, especially now with the, the woman uprising um, in the industry. So it's it's very interesting. And of all the scores you've composed so far, which is your favourite to date? I would always say like the most recent, but the most that I'm proud of is the Fly and Flow Suite. Uh, one reason is because I did stretch myself out and I got out of my comfort zone in so many ways, including writing, orchestrating, arranging, and recording the orchestra in only 20 days. So I feel like it's something that really got me out of my shell, and I'm very proud of that work. And it got me a lot of places too. Excellent. Now, Gia, what future projects can we look forward to hearing your music on? Um, I'm working on a project that I can't announce yet, but it's going to be in another country and I'm going to be conducting the orchestra and it's really going to be big. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm working on two shorts right now, a VR game and a feature that is coming up in next year. So we're still like working on the themes right now and I'm trying as much as I can to get my album out there because for side projects that are self-projects, they always come last after a project like a film with a director or something like that. So I'm really disciplined and dedicated to get my album out there too. And finally, what scoring work would you like to do in the future? Um, I mean, 10 years from now, you never know, especially with how the technology is rapidly moving. I don't know whether or not films are going to still be there, but I definitely feel myself more in the video game industry. I would love to score more video games like the big ones, Call of Duty, Assassin's Creed, all these uh, video games. I would love to do Marvel and action because I love this genre so much. Or drama features that also like touch people's lives, like Avatar, like Chocolat and these movies. So I'm pretty open. <laughs> and with that, give us that many thanks. I do hope you enjoyed this programme on the life and music of Gia Rossidat. I leave you with some more of our wonderful music. Elf, 
inspired by Paolo Coelho's bestseller of the same name. Again, my thanks to Gia Rossidat for joining us today and for Eric Woods for introducing this show. And until we meet again, for me, Jason Drury, is take care and happy listening. Thank you for listening to Cinematic Sound Radio. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. Don't forget to check out Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net on the web, at Sound Radio on Twitter, and at Cinematic Sound on Facebook. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment right now to rate the show and write a brief review. And don't forget to tell all your friends about the program as well. We really appreciate the support. And please check out our affiliates at WROCK Radio at WROCKRadio.com and Movie Scores and More Radio at MovieScoreRadio.com. <laughs>